Please stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I noticed that um, there was not a spontaneous eruption of applause and joy at the, no the notion that I would be filling in for Davis. And that's fine. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just gratified that you also didn't greet that news the way Olivia uh, Carter greeted me just a moment ago at the Baptist. Davis says you've heard um, apparently brought back a surprise souvenir from Israel. And so uh, he has really not been feeling well. So please keep him in your prayers. This is the third Sunday of Easter. And Easter is our time for recalling and retelling the miracle of resurrection. A miracle that not everyone can embrace. It's hard to believe it if you weren't there to see it for yourself. There's a story of a little boy named Johnny who got a brand new red wagon for his eighth birthday. He took his wagon to the top of the hill in his neighborhood and he jumped in it to ride down and near the bottom of the hill, it hit a rock, jumped up, fell over, wheel fell off, he skinned up his knee and he jumped up without thinking, said, I'll be darned. Well, he just so happened to land in front of the preacher's house and the preacher happened to be outside and he said, Johnny, I am shocked. Where did you learn such language? He said, when bad things happen to you, don't curse, say praise the Lord instead. Johnny put the wheel back on the wagon, drug it back to the top of the hill, jumped back in, ran back down the hill, hit the same rock, wheel fell off, wagon flipped over, he skinned up his other knee, and he jumped up and said, praise the Lord. Well, the wheel jumped back on the wagon, the wagon righted itself, and the knee healed up, and the preacher said, I'll be darned. Now, let's be clear, this is not what the disciples said when Jesus appeared to them behind that locked door, but I imagine somebody was thinking it. Today we hear about the third resurrection appearance in the Gospel of John. The first, you remember, was to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. The second was to those other disciples behind that locked door, and today, an entire week later, 
a special appearance for Thomas, the one we call the doubter. We don't know much about Thomas, really, especially from the Gospel of John. He only appears three times, but they're all three pretty important. The first appearance of Thomas is late in Jesus's ministry when he decides to make a trip to Bethany and Bethany was a suburb of Jerusalem. And by the time he decides to make that trip, Jerusalem is a, is a kill zone for him. He knows they're after him. And the other disciples stepped up and said, surely you're kidding. You really aren't going to Bethany, are you? And Thomas stood up and said, let's all go and die with him. A little later at the last supper, Jesus tried to comfort his friends by saying, let me tell you about what's going to happen later. In my father's house are many rooms and I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And if that weren't so, would I be going to prepare that place? And when I do, I will come again and I will take you to be with me so that wherever I am, you can be there also. And none of the disciples said anything except Thomas who stood up and said, we don't know where you're going. Tell us the way where you're going. Thomas really wanted to be where Jesus was. And now today, we call him the doubter because he wasn't there for some reason at that first appearance. We don't know why he wasn't there. You can speculate about it if you wish. A lot of people have, but you can't know what you can't know. And so when he finally arrives, to hear his fellow disciples explain that Jesus has appeared to them, here's what Thomas says. Unless I see the nail marks, unless I see where the spear ripped his flesh, unless I'm able to actually touch those wounds, I will not believe. Take note, by the way, he's not saying he's doubting Jesus here. He's saying he's doubting the other disciples. He doubts their account of what's happened. Never mind, by the way, that Thomas wanted exactly the same thing they wanted and the same thing they got. Never mind that on the first day of resurrection, when Mary Magdalene went running back to tell the other disciples, none of them believed her, not one. But we don't call all of them the doubting disciples. No, we reserve that just for Thomas. That's his problem. He was the missing disciple. I have to tell you that I love Thomas. Thomas is my disciple. Faith never came easily for me. And ask anybody at the church where I grew up and they will tell you that I was something of the scourge of the youth department because I was always asking questions nobody seemed to want to answer. And there were those who sometimes made me feel less than because I couldn't find a way to take all of that stuff at face value. Sometimes I was made to feel like I had missed the bus. But as time went on, I discovered there was a little colony of people like me, people who also had a lover's quarrel with the faith in the church. For that reason, when people ask me about my call to ministry, I usually have to tell them that I came in through the back door. 
a member of the Christian Misfits. At one point in my career, I served as the conference youth coordinator. Back in the day, youth revivals were pretty popular. Bring in a charismatic speaker for a few nights, have a big altar call the last night, and everybody bathed together in the warm glow of blessed assurance. Except there were always that handful of kids who wouldn't go up. We don't know why they wouldn't go up, but I always noticed them and I felt for them. And at times I would ask them why they didn't and you would hear stories of doubt. And every so often I would be in a position to be able to talk to them about their doubt and introduce my disciple. Thomas, to remind them that there was a place for them. So please hear me today when I say, doubt is not the opposite of faith, it's not. You are still in the right place if you're harboring some doubts. And I believe that my doubts and your doubts don't pose much of a threat to Almighty God. And here's why I'm convinced of it. Jesus made a special appearance just for his friend, Thomas. It didn't have to be that way, you know. Thomas could have just been voted off the island by the other disciples. I mean, this confession of no, no faith, maybe they decided that Thomas was becoming a liability and maybe we should just let him go his way. Well, Jesus took care of that by coming back to give his friend exactly what he needed. I particularly think this story is incredibly important in the life of the church. Has it occurred to you that there, no, there aren't any other week after stories? The gospel of, of Mark ends with an empty tomb. That's it. No conversation about why it's empty. Nobody running anywhere to tell anybody else. Empty tomb, period. The early church was so uncomfortable with that ending that they decided we better, we better write a, an additional ending. I'm not making this up. You read your Bible, you'll see it's there. The Gospel of Matthew adds a few lines about Jesus going to Galilee to commission his disciples to carry on with the work. Luke has a wonderful story about uh, a couple of disciples who uh, on the road to Emmaus met a stranger who turned out to be Jesus. But for, don't forget that story of Emmaus happened the same day as, as the tomb, the empty tomb did. And he vanishes from their sight, just like he vanished from the tomb, not to be seen again. John is the only gospel who lingers on what it's like to be a disciple after Easter. Now that matters to, to me a lot because I think I'm part of the same club. I think you are too. I wasn't there. I needed Jesus who is willing to come back for me, to hear my doubts, to set my fears at ease. And listen closely to what Thomas's request is. Unless I see the marks in his hands and put my fingers in his wounded side, I will not believe. It's the wounds he wants to see. So let me suggest a different possibility for understanding our friend Thomas. What if Thomas isn't holding out for proof that Jesus came back? What if he's holding out for proof 
that the risen Jesus is the same one who died. Not all healed up and fixed and good as new, but who has returned to his friends with visible evidence of his scars. If you ask me, Thomas isn't nearly as interested in physical proof of Jesus's resurrection. What he mostly wants to know is whether or not the resurrected life of Jesus means something for the rest of us who are harboring our own hurts and scars. And that final word from Jesus to Thomas haunts me. Thomas, do you believe because you see? Blessed are the ones who believe who haven't seen. Now, to my knowledge, that's everybody in the room. Jesus says we have to find a way to discover the blessedness in believing what we haven't seen. You and I are famous for saying seeing is believing. Jesus seems to want to flip that on its head to say, maybe, maybe believing is seeing. I don't know about you, but I think I'd trade that kind of blessedness for the kind that Thomas and the others got. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen. And so I ask myself and I ask you today as well, what is it that makes our faith believable in 2023? I don't know what that's like for you. For me, Jesus keeps coming back in disguises. Different people. Surprising people. Whenever I see authentic faith in someone, I know that I'm seeing proof that Jesus is alive. This Tuesday, we're having a breakfast for one of our ministry partners, Healing Housing. If you don't know about Healing Housing, it's a wonderful mission of, of assisting women in their addiction and, and transforming their lives. When I see the mission of Healing House, I know for a fact that Jesus is alive. Every time I see my friend Charlie Strobel, <laughs> I know that Jesus is alive. If you're not from around Nashville, you may not know his name. Charlie is a humble priest uh, from the Nashville area who one day decided that homelessness was something that really could be addressed. And so he single-handedly started room in the inn. When I see Charlie, I, I know that Christ is alive. When I walk by Paula Cryan's desk, in the lobby. I know that Jesus is loose because she has what seems to be uh, an endless capacity for hospitality, not just for us, but for people who come in off the streets. Do you remember the crucifixion story? You remember that two thieves were crucified alongside Jesus. One of them mocked Jesus but the second one said, leave him alone. He hasn't done anything to deserve this. And then he turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To which Jesus responded, I promise you today you will be with me in paradise. Allow me to paraphrase what I think that second thief was saying to Jesus. I see kingdom in you. I see kingdom in you. I think that's how we believe without seeing. I see kingdom in the healing house. I see kingdom in Charlie. I see kingdom in Paula. I see kingdom in so many of you and I want you to see it in me. 
So here's the great news for the third Sunday in Easter. Anytime you're tempted to say, I wish I had been there, it would have made all of my belief so much easier. We have Thomas to remind us, no, you didn't have to be there. Jesus came back for me. Jesus keeps coming back for us. So be alert to the faces around you, those in disguise. He keeps coming back. Ask yourself, is Jesus loose in them? Do you see kingdom there? All of this is in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.